how you can help podcasting grow. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 326. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is an award-winning in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. About a year and a half ago, I did an episode number 265, How to Help the Podcasting Industry Grow. And since then, and that's one of my favorite episodes, but since then, I think my perspective has matured a little bit and I've become more understanding of the potential audience and the struggles that they might have, the hurdles they might face in order to subscribe to a podcast and how podcasting will never see a hockey stick-like growth. It's going to see slow growth. I think that when you look at how this industry was formed, you can see why it's growing so differently compared to how almost all of the other media industries were formed. So for this episode, I want to share the presentation that I and Elsie Escobar did for International Podcast Day, How You Can Help Podcasting Grow. Some of this information will be familiar if you listen to episode 265, which is at theaudacitypodcast.com slash help the industry. But there might be some new perspective here, and that's why I want to share this episode. Even though it's somewhat repetitive, I think it's important enough to share again, and especially bringing Elsie into this conversation. She brought such fantastic insight. I invited her to be on the presentation with me on International Podcast Day because I know she is a huge advocate for the listener. And in the last 18 months or so since I released episode 265, I've also understood the importance of listener advocacy. And much of that has been thanks to the inspiration from Elsie, and she's one of our experts in podcaster society, and also thanks to some information I've seen from Tom Webster and been challenged by others. So I'm pleased to share with you this presentation from International Podcast Day 2017. And if you want some of the notes that go along with this presentation, then go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash help grow, or you can tap inside of your app to see the show notes for episode 326. And without further ado, here's our presentation from International Podcast Day. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, host of the Audacity to Podcast, and I'm joined via telephone, yes, old style technology to talk about new media, the wonderful <laughs> Elsie Escobar, podcaster, Hello, everybody. Hey, 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 hold on, podcaster, oh, sorry, sorry. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame oh. podcaster, Elsie Escobar. <laughs> <laughs> I know, such a Hall of Famer that I had to uh, bring out the telephone for you so that you dealt with that. (laughs) Bandwidth isn't always our friend as podcasters, but that's okay. It doesn't stop us from sharing a message, and it shouldn't stop you from sharing a message either. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) So look at podcasting, and it's unlike any other media. And I talk to new media and old media professionals about this quite often. And just today, we were having an international podcast day meetup with Cincinnati podcasters and a public radio professional came by and we were talking about podcasting. And it's podcasting is so much unlike any other media. And that's because podcasting is from the ground up instead of from the corporate level down. You look at radio, television, books, movies, Internet, popular websites, all of that is from the top down. Podcasting started from the independent content creators. And that's why I think that we're seeing slow growth and why we'll probably never see that, quote, hockey stick growth that is uh, just sudden overnight spike, although we may get a little bump here and there by major networks and such. So recognizing that it's going to be slow growth and that this is a grassroots operation and grassroots growth. The major growth we'll see in podcasting, I don't think will be from the top down. I don't think it will be the Gimlets, the Serials, the S-Towns, the New York Times and such. And although they will help in bringing more support to podcasts, I think the main way that we'll see podcasting grow is from the ground up. You and me and the other fans of podcasts, we're the ones who have the most power to bring more people to podcasts. So this session is for you as a podcaster and for you as a podcast listener. So even if you're not a podcaster, you can help podcasting grow. And we want to empower you 
with that. We want you to become an advocate for the community, an advocate for the podcast listeners. And this is all a big message that I know resonates with Elsie. And that's why I definitely wanted to get her on here, even if it meant having to bring her in through low bandwidth (laughs) telephone. Elsie brings great value to this conversation. So I'm glad to have you with me, Elsie. Yes, I know. And I I absolutely agree. I agree. uh, Everything that you said, especially with the kind of like the ground roots coming up. And, And I think one of the things that is really interesting about what you said is that even though, especially if somebody's coming from the corporate environment, or maybe possibly from something that's been pre established, such as radio, even bringing all of that large entity with you when you start with podcasting, you still have to have that other sort of grassroots quality to things, right? It's like there is a a level of sort of like thinking that they're going to be reinventing what has already been invented, sort of like sort of replicating. And that's not what's happening lately. And part of it is exactly what you said, or something that I really believe in, which is that whole idea of advocating for your work and advocating for podcasting, both at the same time. And I know that you have some really great tips that you can really share with people right away that they can maybe implement from sort of like from their, uh, from the way that they do outreach, from the way that they put themselves online, from their websites and what they say in their podcasts. Yeah. The first thing I want to mention is for you, uh, if you're a podcaster, you probably listen to other podcasts, but certainly International Podcast Day is not only for the podcaster, it's for the fans of podcasts. So let's assume we're all at the fan level as well. We have podcasts we love to listen to. So my first tip is share and talk about those podcasts that you absolutely love, just like you would with movies. You know, you see a new movie and you go to your coworkers and you say, hey, did you see the latest Marvel movie or the latest Lego movie or the whatever movie? You're quoting from those movies. You're referencing them. You're telling your friends, you got to go see this. Hey, let's go see it again together. Think of that same thing with your podcasts. When you go into the office and you heard a great podcast over the weekend or overnight, talk about that podcast with your coworkers. Mention it to your friends. Say, hey, you got to listen to this cool podcast. Now, the thing about podcasts is they are much more niche than the mainline entertainment that's out there that appeals to a very broad audience. So you can't always assume that, uh, you know, if you really like an episode of the Audacity to Podcast, for example, you can't really assume that your coworker is going to care at all about it. So think about those podcasts that others might be interested in. Talk about those. If you're listening to the story behind podcast from Emily Prokop, a big proponent of International Podcast Day, she just did an episode actually about the history of podcasts, the story behind podcasts. And that could be something fun that you could listen to, whether it's a a podcast like that, an entertainment-focused podcast, a documentary, a history-focused podcast. Share those. Share them online. Share them with your friends and family. Talk about them. Put them right up there with your movies, your books, your magazines, your articles, your TV shows that you talk about with your family and friends. Yeah. And you know what's what's something that's been very uh, helpful for me, especially since there's been so much conversation in terms of media coverage of what's happening in our world as of late. You know, there's so much happening all over the place. And I think one of the largest complaints that I see from just most people is that there is there's only one way to get the news, right? Or we feel like we're only getting a certain view and everything's very sort of incendiary and, oh my gosh, you headlines. And podcasts, you know, serve to sort of deepen the conversation and a lot of different issues that are, are really from the ground up, like you were talking about before. And one way that I have found to be able to sort of um, offer people that never listened to podcasts before is to offer a conversation that's happening within a podcast that is the same conversation that's happening in mainstream media, but without all of the extra bonus features, which is just headlines and (laughs) trying to get your attention and link baiting and, you know, not really actually getting any information, but just like hearsay here and there, but to really hear people discussing. And I have found that that's been something that has really made And when I say my community, I'm not talking about she podcasts. I'm not talking about the people from the feed. I'm not talking about probably you that are watching or listening to this, but people who are 
uh, that I've had relationships with for a long time online, maybe, and some of them, a lot of them are actually offline people, family members, people that I've met in my other different iterations of who I am or who I was. And so they know me as something else, not doing this podcasting thing. So me being able to bring an opportunity for them to really step into a conversation around something that will benefit them at that moment, that's also really empowering because we get an opportunity to offer another option. That's something that I love whenever I see somebody complaining about the type of TV shows that are on, or they can't find anything on Netflix, or movies nowadays are just so sucky, you know, whatever. This is an opportunity to show them that there's more, that there's a little bit more to that. I like what J.D. Sutter said in the chat room. He said, I'm constantly sampling shows in all different genres and topics, so I have an idea of what's out there so I can make good recommendations for folks that are personalized to their tastes. Excellent. That is absolutely excellent. You know what? And and JD, that's really great because most of us are so caught up with our own selves <laughs> that we don't really take the time to do that. And I feel that as podcasters, as somebody who is at the helm of speaking out in whichever way you choose to, it is, I feel, part of our responsibility to do that. It actually is part of who we are, especially when we step into any atmosphere or any, any part of, of who we are in the world as a podcast advocate to be able to talk about other podcasts above our own. So the second tip I have connecting to this is, and this might be hard, especially for us who are podcasters, and we want to talk about stuff like RSS feeds and enclosures and podcast apps and all of this. No. Uh, And this tip, I'm borrowing this from Tom Webster from Edison Research. And I invited Tom to be part of this discussion as well. And he wanted to. He just couldn't. Uh, He's doing something else right now. But what Tom said in a recent presentation is explain the content, not the technology. We can talk about oh, what a podcast is technically, where, yes, it's uh, episodic media syndicated through an RSS feed via the enclosure tag, and it's downloadable, blah, 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 blah. That's all stuff no one really cares about. I think at some point, the technology will, like when we're talking about RSS feeds and enclosures, it will disappear. That's not to say it will cease to exist or it will be changed, but we'll no longer have to think about RSS feeds. We'll just think about I want to subscribe to that content, that show. So that's why I say explain the content, not, oh, it's a podcast. You subscribe to it with a podcast app. And and there is a place for that. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But talk instead about here's this podcast I listen to that motivates me every Monday morning. Or here's this podcast I listen to. Or here's the show I listen to. That inspires me to, to be a better husband or to be a better wife or a better father, a better mother. Here's this podcast I listen to that helped me overcome this struggle in my life. Here's this podcast I listen to that makes me laugh louder than anything else in my life. Or here's this podcast I listen to. That, here's one for me for actual personal example. I absolutely hate mowing the yard. I even just recently upgraded from a gas mower to a battery powered mower. And that's nicer, but I still don't like mowing the yard. So I save certain fun podcasts that I can only listen to them while I'm mowing the yard. And that makes me look forward to mowing the yard because I know that's the time I get to listen to those podcasts. So approach that with explaining the content. Say, why should people care about this show? Not the technology behind what makes that show possible. What's the content? What's the story? What's the change? What's the personal connection with that content? And why should someone listen to that? Yeah, our ability to connect our daily life, and this is something that I teach a lot uh, with the people that I work with, is that podcasting is an embodied experience, uh, which essentially is part of your life. And, And I'm not saying that watching TV or watching movies and all that kind of stuff isn't, but there is a an element of sitting back when you are consuming. Uh, some of that media, which is primarily driven by video, but something that is more of the audio component is a part of your life. And for people who have never really engaged with podcasts, then telling them that you need to listen to the show 
could be construed as if in the same way that they, let's say, watch their favorite Netflix show or they watch, you know, late night TV or something like that, where it it is about them maybe sitting on the couch and watching. And so it's like, why would I want to do that when I am only listening? That seems kind of weird. And so we need to also show them or teach them that it is embodied. Like you don't have to just sit on the couch to listen to a podcast. You could do all kinds of stuff, just like what Daniel was saying. You're embodied and that becomes a trigger so that you can then every time, you know, Daniel starts to mow the lawn and maybe he forgets to get his favorite podcast in the queue. As soon as he starts the the lawnmower, he's going to go, oh, and then there will be a physical cue of living his life that's going to tell him, I have to listen. So we need to show the people who are we're, we're telling how that happens. So it's definitely right in terms of the showing the content. Now, I do have to add a little bit of a caveat to sort of like what um, you were saying in terms of not explain the content and not the tech. But I do believe that there is one aspect, especially in social media, that we do definitely need to offer that is part of the tech, which is how to consume the actual show. Because there are a lot of different times when we know as podcasters, there is an easier way to consume the content right away within a link inside of a social media post. And so what I've started to do inside whenever I share to social media, and I know that my audience at that moment is probably not the most tech savvy type, then I will make a little bit of like little bullet points be underneath where I can say, you can listen to the show right away. If you click here, if you have an iPhone, you click here and it'll, you can play directly from the podcast app. If you have an Android phone, click here and then you can find that. Or if you can, if you want to listen straight from the website, there's a big gigantic player right at the top and you can go ahead and just press play there. And so then people have an opportunity to kind of go like, oh, there are all these different ways. Or maybe if they click through, they're able to do that as well. Um, and I know that, you know, people like my mom, she listens straight from Facebook, which is kind of shocking to me because she knows that there are podcast apps and that she knows that these things exist. But because of what I was talking to you about before, there is, she is used to habitually consuming the content, doing it in a specific way. So when she's in the kitchen, she has her iPad. She sees that we posted the latest She podcast. She plays it directly from our Facebook page. And then she continues to do her cooking. And that's what she does. That's like my dad. He follows the news very closely. He comes from a military background. So he's very interested in what's going on in the country and in the world. And Although he has an iPhone and it has that really nice news app that you can customize to see the latest news that you're interested in and such. He has the CNN app, the Fox News app, the, you know, the, all of the major network apps installed in his phone. That's where he goes. He goes into the app to check the latest news and into those separate apps. So my dad would be a potential great person to download one of those single show standalone podcast apps like Libsyn can create for you as well as some of the other companies can create those kinds of things for you. I'm also, though, being the bad son, especially bad co-founder of International (laughs) Podcast Day, that I'm using my dad as a social experiment. I'm waiting to find out when he says to me, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Or he tells me about a podcast he discovered because when that happens, then I will know podcasting is totally mainstream. So sorry, Dad, I'm using you as an experiment. I think that I'm going to be waiting on that because and then my next question would be, how did you listen to it? Or how are you listening to it? Because it's interesting the way people's behavior is, you know, around these things. And even though... Of course, we know as podcasters, there are such easy, seamless ways of consuming content. We're so spoiled with that. We first need to meet our listeners where they are versus where we want them to be. And we invite them to other choices, but we give them the easiest choice, you know? So it's obviously on the Facebook page. Like, I don't, I honestly thought nobody listened on the Facebook page. I thought that was really just, it's there because I'm thinking like, Our show is like over an hour. I don't ever spend an hour on Facebook doing one thing 
or listen. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever done that. Like I'm usually like browsing here and there and then I go away. And so to think that there are people that that's the way that they're stepping in and for us to then offer another way and say like you can listen on Facebook or these are other ways that you can take us with you, you know, stuff like that. And it's not quite saying, hey, we're available in Pocket Cast and Beyond Pod and Overcast right. and iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all yep. of this stuff. You're not overwhelming them with all of these things that are really just the exact same thing, podcast right. apps. You're giving them the absolute simplest form of how to consume the content so that you can focus on letting them get the content, not necessarily getting the technology, at least not yet. Yep. Absolutely agreed. And I, you know, it's, and I understand, like, I see a lot of people sharing, especially in social media, your latest episode. And so let's say I see something like, my latest episode is up, and you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and Libsyn and all this stuff. And I'm always looking at that going, I don't think that that's really helpful for whoever is listening to you or watching you like put this out. Because number one, the person who's already a fan of yours is already subscribed. So they don't really need to know that it's in iTunes and Stitcher and Libsyn and all this other stuff. The person who isn't subscribed aren't going to know what these things are. So I would prefer a specific link. One time you share a Stitcher link. One time you share your direct MP3 URL. One time you share it directly to your permalink. Once, you know, and so you have a different opportunity for them to understand and to be exposed to it and then go, oh, very neat. And especially now, things like Overcast and Castro, if you share links from, at least from those two that I know, I don't know about the other ones, but if you click through some of those, they actually have a really lovely page that comes up now that's on a browser page that looks like a proper website with a nice, big, gigantic player and people can listen that way. And it just seems like that's such a much easier exposure to understanding that it's something you listen to. The next tip, and this goes back to what JD said earlier in the chat room, help people find podcasts they will like. So here, Mm -hmm. I host a podcast about podcasting. Elsie hosts two podcasts about podcasting. Most likely, that person in the grocery store is not going to be interested in either of our podcasts. But we can ask them questions to find out a kind of podcast they like. Like, for example, what I like to do is I ask someone, what's your favorite TV show? And then I can show them in the podcast app, look, here are a dozen up-to-date, active podcasts about your favorite TV show. Look, this one interviewed a few cast members of the TV show. Look, this one goes into depth. They have a three-hour-long episode about a 45-minute TV show episode. They must get really in-depth with their discussion and theories about the TV show. Talk about their hobbies or, or even consider some of those general interest podcasts, like whether it be This American Life or a comedy podcast or something like that. And, and in all cases, please do be respectful of... Uh, certain things like clean versus explicit or liberal versus conservative. So maybe try to stay away from some of the politically oriented shows, unless you know that the person you're talking to is of a particular leaning one way or another, or you have a podcast that's good enough for all sides. And there are some podcasts out there like that. So find the podcast they'll like, not necessarily your own podcast. I know we all want to get more listeners to our own podcast, but that person at the grocery store might not be interested in what you have to say. So the way that you help podcasting grow is not by growing your own audience, but by growing the audience to podcasts. You know, what's interesting to add to that as well is that one way that I have found that that is easier because a lot of us kind of lack in that sometimes like we sort of like falter in in our understanding of other podcasts or knowledge of what really is out there. But, you know, one thing that I know for, you know, on Libsyn when we do um, on Fridays where we do promote the tarot of yourself Friday, even though that is obviously promote the tarot of yourself You can't help but look at the tweets that are coming through the feed on that Friday. When you post your comment on the thread that happens on the Facebook page, even if you're just coming in and literally talking about yourself, it is really hard to avoid reading another comment. Like it's because it's so in your face. And I have been exposed to so many interesting shows just from that 
being part of the community and seeing somebody really share how cool their latest episode is. And they, instead of just saying like, listen to my latest episode, they really break it down and they really share what it's about. It makes me go, oh my gosh, I had no idea that there was a podcast about that. That's really cool. And I get to know a lot of people from that just by reading that. And if they consistently post week after week, I end up all of a sudden listening because I'm intrigued by the topics and I'm intrigued by, wow, I, I had no idea what that was. Same thing for She Podcast. We have a day where we do the same thing as well. And it's really about that exposure being part of, and I know that it's being part of sort of like a podcast community for podcasters, but in doing so, we get exposed to these other people and that's where we are able to then share about those because you remember that stuff. You go like, oh my God, remember that? I saw that, that that episode came up and I really, really wanted to go get that. And then you can really help somebody else whenever that comes up. And this could actually be a really good use for, I'm going to say it, new and noteworthy. You could go into yeah. new and noteworthy and see what interesting podcasts are there that have just recently launched. And that might equip you in a conversation to be able to tell someone, hey, you know that celebrity that you like or that's in the news? Did you know they actually just started their own podcast and they talk about these particular things or whatever? So again, you're connecting them with content they will like. Maybe not even content you like, but it matters more that it's something they will like because especially if this podcast is their first entrance into the podcast consumption space, you want it to be something that gets them hooked. Absolutely. Oh, and now you know what's another one that's really good, Daniel? It's sharing podcasts for your kids. Because yes. I have found that moms, especially, and this was and, and this actually came from me, like my own my own need. That there's a point where I was like, you know, I don't really like my girls to be involved with too many like videos and movies and things like that during the day at all. It's a very limited sort of watching time. And so, but there's times when I really need them to just not be in my face. So, but I don't want to give them a screen so that they watch it. So I thought like, oh my gosh, I, there, there came a point where I'm like, what else can I do? And I thought, oh my God, podcast. Why hadn't I thought about that? And then I started to take them out and I was really surprised by how well they took to that because it was just different and they were really engaged. And I thought, wow, I want to share that with other moms. Here's another way you can get an extra 10 minutes of your life <laughs> so they can watch something else or listen to something else. That's also really good when, when it becomes a savior, yeah, the podcast a savior. And when you're talking about screen time like that, that's something I hadn't thought about. That's where uh, having either a, a smart speaker device like uh, HomePod, those are coming out soon from Apple, or the Google Home, or the uh, Amazon Alexa devices, or something like that can make that kind of thing possible, where you might be able to then play an episode through that. There's no screen whatsoever on that, yep. but you can say to it, play the latest episode of whatever, April 8, or uh, Alien yeah. Adventures of Finn Caspian, or The Ramen Noodle, or uh, Nobody's Listening, or uh, That Story Show, or anything like that that you think would be appropriate and entertaining for your children. Yeah. And you're right. I never thought about that because that's another thing. They become obsessed with the little screen, even though nothing's happening. It's just the thing. So I think that would be really empowering for them as well to be able to do that. So then we do come to that little technical thing of teaching people how to subscribe. And I would say, don't worry about teaching people how to subscribe to a podcast until you get them actually interested. You know, you can go to someone in the store and say, hey, do you listen to a podcast? And they say no. And you say, well, here, let me help you find a podcast. I'll teach you how to subscribe. It's just information overload. You get them hooked first. I, this sounds like I'm giving drug dealing advice, but there's not all that much difference between good marketing and Drug dealing, unfortunately. That's going to turn into a tweet somewhere. <laughs> yes, that's not good, Daniel. But, and you said it. I didn't. But the big difference is what we have to offer is something valuable that positively influences your life and doesn't damage your life. So when you get someone hooked, when you found content for them or when they come back to you saying, oh, man, I checked out that thing you told me about, that that potty, that w whatever it was, the thing. Anyway, I listened to it and, oh, man, that was so good. Then you can say, hey, did you know you can automatically get those episodes? 
you can have them downloaded directly to your phone and they'll always be available for you on your next trip, when you're driving the car, when you're flying or whatever, when you're mowing. Let me show you how you can subscribe to that thing that you absolutely loved. You know, I've never really actually done it myself, as in like in real life. What I have done is helped people get off of the podcast app. (laughs) (laughs) I have done that many times, actually, because I've been surprised by that. But what I have done is been able to, especially with my family, been able to really help my family through this, where I've been able to say like, oh, you can listen to this, or this is where you get him, or here's the name of another podcast. But I I feel it's very important for there to be exposure around this as well. And to also bring, I don't know if it would be a a really good thing, but like in terms of metaphors, especially if somebody Mm -hmm. is already uh, listening to audiobooks, to be able to say it's kind of like Audible, but it's not a book. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that they know that, oh, okay, because they get the concept of being able to understand that it's about downloading things and listening. Uh, and there are certain apps like that. Like I use an app called Overdrive. And in Overdrive, which is kind of set up for, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's a, a library system kind of thing, yeah. but they do have audiobooks and they have videos and they have books as well, of course, like eBooks and whatnot. And to be able, they understand the concept of being able to do that. So for us to be able to say like, it's exactly like that, but it's only for like these shows. Yeah. And you mentioned getting people off the Apple Podcasts app. And I know there can be a place for that when someone's complaining about it. What I would recommend, and this is somewhat a controversial perspective, is it may not be best for you to encourage people to use the same podcast app you do because you may be that podcast fan who someone in the chat room earlier said they were subscribed to i think they said 376 podcasts jason Bryan subscribed to 96 of them although 20 of them or more are his own podcasts one of the other (laughs) uh, speakers here at international podcast day said she subscribed to 400 podcasts and listens to at least 70 episodes per week so these are the power subscribers. You may be one of those power subscribers. You've tried Beyond Pod, Pocket Cast, Incast, Outcast, Upcast, Downcast, Everywhere a Cast Cast. You've tried all of these apps and you've decided this is the absolute best podcasting or podcast consumption app for me. Well, okay, that could be true. That may not be what you would need to recommend to someone else. If someone has an iPhone, I think you should probably just show them the Apple Podcast app because then they don't have to install a new app And then it might even be more memorable to them because they'll think, oh, yeah, that purple icon I've seen on my phone for years now. I always wondered what that did. Well, then you can show them what it does. Or if someone's on Android, then maybe find a great free app, like whether that's uh, Podcast Addict or some of those other good podcast apps that are free or low cost. Hey, even if you're really passionate about helping someone subscribe to a podcast, give them the four or five dollars and say, okay, Buy this podcast app and here, I'm paying for it. Here's four or five dollars to cover it so that you're helping them to subscribe to the podcast in what will be easiest for them. Not the best podcast app ever, but what's best for them. Oh, and, and I agree. And now the reason why I do this, Daniel, is because I have found that especially for searching for stuff, there are certain podcast apps that are easier for me to use. Mm-hmm. And then also especially for the kids. I think that we talked about this on the feed. And even though the app itself isn't necessarily that beautiful or that fixed up or anything like that, but Leela Kids has been really helpful for children's podcasts. And even though at this moment, and I reached out to the team and I don't know if they've updated it because I haven't checked it out. But one of the reasons I love Leela Kids for for especially for sharing for moms and things like that. Number one, it's free. Number two, it's like broken down specifically for families. So as soon as you open the app, it's broken down into the kid's age, three to five, five to eight, eight to 12, and then 12 plus. And then it's got these just huge icons that say like bedtime stories or stories or music and learn English and animals and ocean and curious and all that kind of stuff. So that the kids can actually, it's easy for them to see like, I want to hear an episode about an animal. And then they can go there. And then all of the podcasts within there are not necessarily given to you via 
podcast show itself, but via episode. And it's broken down in that way so that they can really consume the content that they want. So that's times when I have absolutely done that because I find that to be easier, especially for that. And then I thought, my God, wouldn't that be nice if we had something like as a grown up? I want to learn about tigers. <laughs> I want to go in there and just press tigers. <laughs> we do need that. I know. I would also say for you as a podcaster, you have your own podcast. You can help podcasting grow by making your own podcast as easy as visit my website and press play. There are plugins. There are very simple, free, and some paid options that can help you do this. It doesn't have to be complicated. Don't load your website up with all of this stuff that buries the podcast player. Make sure it's so easy for someone to get to your podcast that they can visit your website and press play. Just today here, um, having some local Cincinnati podcasters meet up at my studio, uh, someone was talking about their concern about their search engine ranking. And their concern wasn't actually for discoverability of their podcast. Their concern was for people to be able to find their podcast by entering the name of their podcast. So I and Cliff Ravenscraft is actually in my studio right at this very minute. He's a local Cincinnati podcaster as well. And we're great friends. And uh, Cliff and I were both talking with this gentleman. And we both agreed that, well, first of all, make sure your domain matches your podcast name. So you don't have to tell people search for this name in a podcast app or in Google or something like that. You just say the name of your podcast and add .com to the end of it or .tv or .whatever makes sense and is affordable for you. And when people get to that website, make sure the player is so prominent, no one can miss it. They can visit your website and press play to hear at least your latest episode. Certainly helpful if your other episodes are playable from the front page, but at least have one episode playable very prominently from the front page and include the top subscription links, which I would recommend. And I've got an episode from the Audacity to Podcast talking more about one of these. I recommend have your subscribe and Apple Podcasts link. Also a subscribe on Android link powered by subscribe on Android.com. By the way, that's created by one of our sponsors for International Podcast Day, Blueberry, created that. But it's not very Blueberry branded, so you don't have to use Blueberry products to create that. You could run your Libsyn podcast feed through subscribe on Android.com, but it makes it much easier for Android users to subscribe with a podcast app or it recommends a podcast app on Android for them to use. And then RSS. You might even consider having an email subscription option, but that's up to you if you want to set that up. I know sometimes that can be more complicated or cost a little bit extra, but your Apple podcast, what we used to call iTunes, subscribe on android.com and your RSS links. Make those very prominent so that someone can very easily visit your website and press play or visit your website and press subscribe to the platform that's most relevant to them. In conjunction with that, I do feel very strongly about making sure that as pretty as it looks like on a, a computer browser, for you to really understand what that looks like from the mobile infrastructure, whatever, whatever it is, you know, because most people are going to be clicking through and that's the way people are consuming social media. I venture to say the majority of people are going to be exposed to a link that you share or somebody else's share sharing within the social media environment in some way. So if you do that, make sure that you know what it looks like from the a mobile kind of interface and what happens and how soon you can actually click through what happens when you do these things. Because a lot of the time we we have a little bit of a disconnect because we want to make things visually appealing. But then when we never actually test the process of somebody uh, subscribing to your show via mobile on the go and how easy that is. Um, I have found that there have been some uh, players that have been really skinny and the skinny players with the tiny little heads, those are the hardest ones for me to sort of like click with my thumb to be able to find them and to pause them because that you also have to remember that most people when they, maybe they press play, but then they have to, press stop because somebody's talking to them and they didn't know it was going to come in their ears or whatever. And I found myself trying to figure out how to stop this now, right? And we need to make that easier as, as well. Tell me about being an advocate. Being an advocate in your local community is like my biggest thing as of right now. And I'm putting ev like this up to everybody and every single person that works with me that uh, on a one-on-one. -on -one. Part of it is, is the library. The library system is so full of people who are 
essentially coming to a place to get content. That's what's already happening. The system itself is built upon education, information, the end. And so the librarians themselves are always looking for ways to enhance knowledge and be able to give information to those that are attending their, you know, the library. They're constantly looking for content. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have your podcast there, but that could be you stepping up and saying, I would like to run a workshop, a free workshop on podcasting. And I'm not talking you are going to teach people to podcast, but essentially have a workshop about podcasts for families and kids as another opportunity to um, enhance their family life to be able to offer a podcasting workshop and really focus in on business podcasts or podcasts that are really empowering for another type of demographic, sort of like people who are immigrants, because there's a lot of uh, podcasts out there who are teaching immigration practices and how to do your citizenship test and all that kind of stuff, or how to learn English, to be able to do something like that, where you come in and you essentially just say, these are other options. You're teaching people how to consume them, but you're talking exactly what you're saying, uh, Daniel, you're talking to what they are looking for, what information they are craving. And again, as, since they're going into the library to, to read books, audio, like patio books, if you will, all of those books with all the extra things that come with them, that would be a wonderful thing to do. Just making friends with the librarians. Same thing is happening with like the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce in your area is by far wanting to inform people about the area as well as, generally speaking, businesses and things that have to do with the type of businesses that they have. And they I try to really offer tools. This is when you can come in as well and say, maybe your podcast is one of them. Or maybe you just want to go out there and advocate for some of your uh, favorite podcasters who are reaching these people. I have one of my clients who has Small Biz 101 podcast, and she actually doesn't do much teaching about online sort of practices and online marketing, but she really zeroes in on, it's sort of like a real basic class on what it means to have a business, like an a, just a business. And I feel this is such a wonderful podcast to have had available at Chamber of Commerce's university systems and things like that. They're also looking for, especially clubs and um, as, as, as those ones that are serving people who are of a specific niche within a university. What a wonderful way to be able to go in there and say, hey, you guys that are doing your movie club or they're part of the media, uh, you know, they're getting their BFA or something like that, to be able to offer some really wonderful fine art shows that are out there and say like, wow, check this out. This is another way to do it. So I'm a real big advocate when it comes to that so that you can step out and you can teach people about how to listen to podcasts. And there could be a model for how to do this. And, and not only in these smaller, very local groups, but even at larger, more corporate, even broadcast levels. Uh, I, I can't give details, but I would say keep an eye on Cincinnati. There's a tease for you. <laughs> Something could Thanks, be coming Daniel. out of Cincinnati that uh, might be inspirational to some other cities for some some opportunities for you to be an advocate in your local community. So good. So good. Elsie, what else really stands out to you for a way that we, whether we're podcasters or podcast fans, can help podcasting grow? I think one of the key teachings that has really been an impact for me is that you really need to teach your audience language that they can repeat. This is something that I that I often say to my ladies from the e-league specifically. And when I say language that I can that you can repeat, I'm not talking about word for word. I'm talking about how powerful your mission and your impact statement is and how that is embodied by the way that you speak behind the mic every single time you go out there. Because there's obviously things that we all believe in and the reason that we're behind the mic. And the clearer we are about why we are podcasting or our message, their larger sort of vision of our work, the easier it is for that person to be hearing it to then share that with another person. Because I feel, yeah, it's great for us to talk about it, to talk about our shows, but the true growth actually happens when the next person can share you 
And I love it when people get on and on, on social media and they share something that I've said. Oh, they kind of move to the place where like, and I have Elsie in my head talking to me about downloads really don't matter because of X, Y, and Z, right? And I know that that's something I bring up a lot in terms of just having another way to measure success versus downloads. That's something that I say often, a lot in every, almost every single interview that I go on. And so I am glad that people are repeating that language because it's in that repetition that it's actually going to have legs. That's when it starts to grow. But it only comes from a sense of clarity for you as a podcaster to know why you're behind the mic. Because if you're wishy-washy and you don't really know what your show is about and it's just all about all of this stuff and it's really fun and exciting, if you can't really zero in on the why, nobody else is going to be able to share it. They're going to go, oh, Daniel's show is really nice. He talks about all kinds of things. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Sweet, you know, and that so it, it won't be as a one pointed thing. And if you, if they can keep, if your listeners really love you, they'll hear the same themes and they'll be able to then share them. And then that's when it's like, I've got it. When you start to hear your language shared by somebody else, that's when you've got them. That's when the true growth starts to happen. Elsie, thank you very much. You've shared amazing content. We could go on for another hour, I'm sure, talking about this. I'm but sure. <laughs> this is your opportunity. You watching or listening to this right now. Now you carry on the conversation. Continue celebrating. Hey, guess what? International Podcast Day. This is a great excuse for you to start that conversation. All of this stuff that we've been talking about, this is your chance. This is your excuse to do that. Other companies, yesterday was a National Coffee Day, and I got a free cappuccino at a local United Dairy farmers and and in june is national donut day and is a donut or a coffee really going to change your life in the long term that is i know in the short term it makes your life better but in the long term no but podcasts do share that life-changing power with others and take these tips that elsie and i have shared with you so that you can help the podcast industry grow help podcasting grow even if you're not a podcaster you have the most powerful influence among your friends and family to expose them to this amazing content, this life-changing content, this high-value niche content so that you can help them make their lives better too. By the messages that they consume, the podcasts that they find, you can be that agent of change, that advocate in your community, in your relationships. So Elsie is the co-host of she podcasts a fantastic and very entertaining podcast that is, although it's targeted for women podcasters, guys, we can learn a lot from this. And it's extremely entertaining too to listen to. And that's, I think, maybe one of the biggest reasons I enjoy She Podcasts is because it's entertaining, not because it's educational. I just enjoy the perspective <laughs> and enjoy laughing and enjoy that you guys don't take yourself so seriously and that you have, you know, the seven tips for this, like I do obnoxiously <laughs> with my show. Elsie is also the co-host of The Feed, the official Lipson podcast, and there will be links for those shows, I'm sure, on the website at internationalpodcastday.com, where you can search for them in your favorite podcast app. Connect with Elsie on Twitter at YoGeek. Elsie, thank you for joining me and sharing this presentation with me. Thank you very much, Daniel. I really appreciate it. I hope you got some value from that presentation especially from what Elsie said. I loved her perspective, loved the things that she brought to that conversation. So if you enjoyed this conversation and you believe in this and you believe in the power that you and I have to help podcasting grow, then please go to the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash help grow and share this episode out. You can share it in podcasting communities. You can share it with fellow podcasters. You can share it on your social networks, anywhere like that. And I'd really appreciate it. And it's a way that you can encourage others to also speak the same language, to be advocates for the listeners and for all of us who have control over our grassroots to help podcasting grow because we are the ones who hold the greatest influence to do that. So please visit the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash help grow to share this episode out. Before I go, I want to share a review and share some insight from that review. So thanks to Chef Robert from the United States of America and host of the Happy Diabetic Kitchen, who wrote in Apple Podcasts, the help I need. Daniel, I have heard Dave Jackson talk about you for a very long time. I'm going to stop right there. When someone else 
talks about your podcast in their podcast. That's powerful. When you can build relationships with other people, that that happens naturally. It's not a forced thing, like you're begging them to give you a shout out. But it's a natural thing because you work together, you respect each other, you're in the same industry, even if you're competitors. Like Dave Jackson and I are competitors, but he's also one of my closest friends. And we talk about each other frequently, and he won the podcast award, and he totally deserves that podcast award. I really think Dave Jackson should also be in the Podcasters Hall of Fame in the Academy of Podcasters Awards. We'll see if we can make that happen too. Regardless, when someone else shares your podcast to their audience, that's word of mouth, and that's powerful. And I hear this quite often, both in reviews as well as directly from people who say, I heard so-and-so talk about you in their podcast, or I heard you on such-and-such podcast. It's funny to see sometimes a certain path that people go to Dave Jackson, then they find Podcasters Roundtable, and then they find me. Or sometimes they'll go to Ray Ortega, then to Dave Jackson, then to me, then to Podcasters Roundtable. It's this interesting little spaghetti of relationships, but that's the power of building relationships in podcasting and the power of word of mouth. So look to build those relationships with others, and those can bring your exact ideal audience member to your podcast. Back to Chef Robert's review. He said, so happy I decided to tune in. I just heard your most current episode, which at this time was now a month or so ago, and he said, wow, great stuff, and I admire your passion. Thank you very much, Chef Robert, for that kind review. Chef Robert hosts the Happy Diabetic Kitchen podcast, and that's over at happydiabetic.com. And he does that with his son. So you might want to check that out to see how a father and son podcast together. And here's the description of their podcast. Our guide to the world of food and healthy cooking and cooking love. The menu serves up interviews with the world's most amazing chefs and experts in the field of diabetic health. We are turning ordinary ingredients into something extraordinary and the ingredients that you will soon be landing on your kitchen table. Check it out at happydiabetic.com. I've often thought about diabetics and kind of felt sorry for what they have to sacrifice and what they're not able to eat because of their health concerns. So this podcast, I think, is fantastic that diabetics can be happy with the food they enjoy. So check it out at happydiabetic.com. And thank you for that kind review, Chef Robert. There was another review that I wanted to read in this episode, but... I started to read it and started to comment on it and even edited the review down to its bare main most important points. And I realized I was talking for quite a while about things and insights that you can learn about podcasting and such based on this review. And it was taking too long to talk about that. So what I've decided to do is I'm going to save that review from Damien the DM and share that in the next episode of the Audacity Podcast because there's so much great insight It's a four-star review that has some critiquing, some might even call it criticism in it, but it's super valuable feedback, and I think you can learn some good lessons from it as well. So I'll be sharing that in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast. I really appreciate the podcast reviews, even when they're negative, I appreciate it when it's honest. And most of all, if you write a podcast review for the Audacity to Podcast in Apple Podcasts or in Stitcher, please share what you have taken from the podcast, how you have benefited, how your podcast has gotten better, and make sure that if it's not obvious from your name in the review, make sure the name of your podcast and your name are in that review so that I can thank you by name and give you a link and shout out in an episode of mine. You can get those links to write a review over at theaudacitypodcast.com. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.